to wait till it counted down. You can't start before that. All right, we need to get you guys uh, kind of fired up because look, 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 you guys. All right. <laughs> yeah, shake it off. Shake it off. You ready to work? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, just trying to get us going here this morning. How many people have been sick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay over there. Uh, Rich, just hope he doesn't sneeze all over you today, okay? And uh, have you come ready to uh, lift the name of Jesus up? How about to lift up Jesus? Here we go. Save 
somebody shake hands, say good morning.
privilege God that we get to come to your feet with no hindrances no obstacles God God that you are always open and ready God no matter what it is that we've done or what it is that we're struggling with God to know that we can just come to you God it's something so beautiful and so amazing and thank you for making a way Jesus when there was no way God, we just have gathered here this morning to experience your presence, to lift up our praise and adoration to you, God. God, and to just hear from you, just to, to lean into you to, to hear your heart, God. And so I pray that you'll be with Buddy as he delivers the message. And God, I just pray, Father, that we would just re receive it with an open heart, an open mind, God, and that we would respond to you as you lead us, God. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for these moments in your presence, God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, that was a good time of worship, wasn't it? Very nice. We run to the throne room, and our series is called Lean In, Draw Close to God, and He Will Draw Close to Us. Well, right now is a good time to check into Facebook. If you pull out your phones and go to Instagram, Facebook, wherever you go, and say, I'm at Salem Fields Community Church. This is a great place to be on a very chilly morning. It is, isn't it? And Mike, you can take your picture of your row there and put it on there. It's always fun to see what you guys do. Take some pictures and... Uh, that's a and post it on Facebook. It's a good thing. Well, if you're a first-time guest with us today, we're so thankful that you're here. We hope that you'll check us out again another uh, maybe next week. And we've got a little gift for you if you'll stop by the t that little table as you go out the door there. It says, first-time guest. You can't miss it. And that's just a little token for us to say thanks so much for coming and checking us out. And we know that there are a lot of wonderful churches around this area, but... Uh, we want to welcome you here and say the presence of the Lord is here. Uh, we lift up the name of Jesus, and that's what we're all about. And so uh, if you've got your connection card there in your program, which you do, you can communicate with us on that connection card in any way that uh, you need to. You can put prayer requests, or you can sign up for a ministry or check a ministry out. Uh, just use that connection card, and you can put it in the basket, or you can put it back there um, somewhere. Uh, when you leave. <laughs> You'll find it. You'll find it. We're going to take our tithes and offering in just a few moments, and we're so thankful for your generosity. You guys are wonderful. Uh, just want to update you on our Thanksgiving offering. And uh, 64000 remember our, our um, goal was sixty-five, and that we haven't quite gotten all of those funds in yet, but we have spent all of that $64,000. It has gone every penny to help people here locally in our uh, nation and around the world. It's amazing what God does with that, with that money and your generosity is, uh, we're so thankful for that. But there's still an, uh, an outstanding uh, amount of $9,000 $9, there. So if you pledged, 
and you haven't gotten that in, I'm telling you, there's a blessing for you. There you go, John. Take that picture, post it on Facebook. <laughs> That's a good thing. So just, uh, we wanted to call your attention to that just to kind of remind you that you can still get that in. And uh, 73000 is what has been pledged, and we're so thankful for that. So thanks for your generosity. And be reminded of that. Divorce care is coming up. If you've ever been through a divorce, even if it was years ago, and you haven't gone through divorce care, I would encourage you to, to do that. And I'm speaking as a marriage and family therapist here right now. Uh, it's probably one of the best ways that you can find healing for a lot of unresolved uh, issues in your life. It's very, very tough to go through a, a divorce and all of the complications that go along with that, but it's very possible. It's very possible to heal from that. So divorce care is coming up, and even if you've gone through a recent divorce or you're even contemplating divorce, <laughs> I think that it would be really important for you to be part of divorce care, and you can see all of the information right there. Well, how many people, uh, would you stand please, were involved with Night to Shine? Volunteer, if you gave money, if you did anything with Night to Shine, I'm telling you, that was, thank you. You can be, thank you so much for your service and your generosity to give. And I just want to personally thank, well, we all do, Alicia Crisp. Alicia, would you stand? We're going <laughs> to, Alicia. And Kim Huffman, is Kim here this morning? But those two led this night to shine. I'm telling you, the organization and everything that was involved with that, they began uh, last year to organize this, and the two of them did an incredible job, but could not have done that with all of the volunteers. And Salem Fields Community Church, I mean, it was a smash hit. Did you notice that we still have the decorations? <laughs> You like that, don't we? just couldn't do away with them. And so we're so thankful, so grateful to everyone. Watch this. Every heartland, farm town, fence post, son. Every West Coast, big break queen. All your high-rise, skyline, concrete kids. Every support in between. Grab your first time front porch, pound and hard. And gas up your Chevrolet. Cause the sun's half gone and it won't be long till we make our getaway. This is our time, our night to shine. Oh, take my hand, hold on tight. Don't get back to the morning, let the world go. Please spin slow, tell tomorrow not to hurry, we're just fine. This is our Your favorite pair of denim, patched up knees and faded blue. Fold two twenties in your pocket, kiss your mama at the door. Take a picture, burn a postcard, and send it out across the world. This is our.
that beautiful? You know, I just got to say, Tim Tebow was a child that the doctors had suggested the mother abort. And the difference that this man has made in our world, God placed that within his heart to do this prom uh, for special guests. And what's happened around the world is incredible. That's our God. You realize that, right? When he teaches a certain way and we follow that, he honors that uh, beyond all measure. So uh, that was so heartwarming. It was so beautiful to be part of that. And I just got to tell you, especially the men that were buddies, and I saw compassion come out in a way that was that's just unmeasured. And for all the women who were buddies, um, pushing wheelchairs, I'm telling you, it was incredible. If you haven't been a part of it, be a part of it next year. Well, we're continuing our series today called Lean In, and I don't know about you, it's based on that scripture that says, if we lean into God, if we draw near to him, that he wants to be close to us. I'm telling you, the king of the universe wants to be close to us. Is that pretty amazing? And so when we go through those difficult times in life, we've got this promise that all we have to do is lean in. All right? And the nights feel like they're all getting longer These days are dark and gray Like the storm rolling in across the water There's a
And we're taking up a, a love offering to buy the band a bus. They're going to Nashville. <laughs> and uh, so if y'all want to be a part of that, everybody that gives a donation gets part of the royalty. So anyway, they done gone country on us. <laughs> Hey, yeah, uh, you know, Gabe was talking about Night to Shine. It was an awesome night. I was humbled to be a part of that and uh, for our church to be a part of that. It's a pretty awesome. And I think, you know, everybody, again, as Gabe did, but those that financially helped us with that, quite a undertaking financially. And uh, some of you uh, helped and went the extra mile with that. We really appreciate that. Well, if you're a guest this morning, I'll say good morning to you, but we're in a series called Lean In and Gabe talked about that. It's based on James chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, the Bible says, when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Now, did you hear that? What that scripture is saying is, you go first. God says, you grow, grow closer to me, you get closer to me, draw closer to me, you lean in closer to me, and I'll lean in closer to you. And the closer you come, the closer I come. And so we want to be close to God it's really up to us. We take the first step, and then God will take the next step, and you take the next step, and God will take the next step, and the next thing you know, you're nose to nose, close to God. You see, here's something pretty awesome, I think. In our culture today, there are all sorts of barriers and, uh, uh, to prevent us from getting close to certain people. You know, you can't draw near to Bradley Cooper or Lady Gaga you know, and you can't draw near to the Pope. You know, he's got his little Pope car and he rides around in that and there's no way that you can uh, draw close to him or you can't get close to the President of the United States. He's got his secret service all around him and, and uh, you can't get close to LeBron James or Tom Brady, you know. Uh, congratulations on Super Bowl. And, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, everywhere you look. And I'm not looking at you, Mike. <laughs> but they most likely have personal bodyguards that keep us from getting close to them. And if you try to get close to them, you're most likely going to get tackled, handcuffed, and arrested. But here's something amazing that I think that we just talked about, and that is that the Bible says that we can draw near to God, that we can get close to God. Not only does it say we can draw near to him, but it encourages us. The Bible encourages us to lean in close to him, and he will lean in to us. Now, that's just awesome to think about, that the creator of the universe, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that, that hung the stars and the moon in the sky, the God that blew breath into our lungs so that we could uh, breathe and have life, that God, that God has no personal barriers. He has no personal bodyguards. He has no secret service. He has no little Pope car that keep us from leaning in to get closer to God. The only thing that can keep us from getting closer to God is us, ourselves. The only thing that can keep us from getting closer to God is ourselves. Our key verse for this series gives us four things that we can do to draw closer to God. Now, we're going to all stand. Gay kind of started that the first week. We're going to all stand and read this scripture together. You know, when I was going to church way back then, they'd say, stand now for the reading of God's Word. And so we're going to read God's Word. Ready? Let's read it together. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. And our hearts 
Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. So, in the first week of our series, Gaye shared with us that the first thing we need to do to lean in to get closer to God is that we lean into God with a sincere heart. You know, a sincere heart uh, is one that has pure motives. It, it is one that is genuine, and it's without deceit. It, it, you see, you remember if you were here, the, the wax illustration where, you know, when people would sell pottery, the end in fact, the, the imperfections, they would put uh, wax in it and you couldn't see it unless you held it up to the light. And, and what a sincere heart says, there's no wax. There's no deceit. There's no impure motives in my heart. I have a sincere heart. And, uh, and then last week, Kelly spoke to us about the faith dance and we talked uh, uh, about the uh, assurance of faith. And without, uh, without faith, without the assurance of faith, uh, leaning into God with just a sincere heart will never be acceptable. We have to lean into God with a sincere, heart, a sincere heart with the assurance of faith that when we lean into God, he will lean into us. And so it takes a, a faith, it takes faith in, in Jesus Christ, that which we cannot see, but that we can be sure that God is there leaning in to us. You see, which brings us to this week. Uh, did you hear the story, maybe you did, about the dying millionaire who called his doctor, his lawyer, and his priest uh, uh, to come to his bedside? And he said to them, for all of your years of friendship uh, and faithful service, I've left each of you a very generous gift in my will. But I want each one of you to do one last thing for me. He said, here's a million dollars in cash for each of you. He said, I want you to slip it into my coffin before I'm buried because I want to see if everyone is wrong and I really can take it with me. And he dies soon after. And, and as the three were walking away from the grave site, the priest mutters and he kind of says under his breath, okay, my conscience is bothering me. I have to confess. I thought, all, I thought of all the good that that money could do in the community and it just seemed to me a shame to waste it. He said, I donated half of it to a charity that provides for the poor, and I put the other half, I only put a, a half of it in the coffin. Well, the doctor, he kind of, he said, well, I got to confess too. I, I thought of how badly my hospital needs uh, money for cancer research, and I donated it, uh, uh, two-thirds of it to uh, anonymously to our charity fund at the hospital. And he said, I only put a third in the coffin. And the lawyer, man, he come in, his chest all puffed out, and he said, I'm disgusted with the two of you. He said, gentlemen, you made a solemn promise uh, to, on our friend's deathbed, and this is how you're going to honor his final wishes. He said, I'm ashamed and I'm appalled at your behavior. He said, I put, for, I for one put in a check for the full amount. So we know which one probably had the, the guilty conscience. But anyway, today I want to talk to you about having a clear conscience. About having a clear conscience. You know, we all have a conscience. We all have that in common. Uh, all of us here in the room, those that are worshiping with us online or in the cafe, we all have a, con uh, a conscience. We may, we may not be able to analyze it. We certainly can't control it. But we all have one. 
Every one of us. So conscience has been defined as that, small, that still small voice that makes you feel uh, smaller still. Or as one little boy put it, it's that which feels bad when everything else feels good. So Oswald Chambers says, conscience is that ability within me that attaches itself to the highest standard I know and then continually reminds me of what that standard demands that I do. He says, it's the eye of the soul. Our conscience is the eye of the soul which looks out either toward God or toward what we regard as the highest standard. And God has given every person here today and online a conscience. And he's given us a conscience uh, to guard us, to protect us, and, and, and to guide us. This is not the same as the Holy Spirit. It's not the same as the Holy Spirit uh, because he only, the Holy Spirit, only dwells in those who have believed in Jesus Christ for salvation. Whether we're a believer or not, whether we're Christian or not, we all have a conscience, every one of us, but only believers have the Holy Spirit uh, living in them. And once we're saved, then the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, works through the conscience to remind us that some of our attitudes and some of the things that we're thinking and our words or actions, don't, not, they do not fit with the identity of Christ, who we are in Christ Jesus. You know, we have these attitudes, we have these thoughts, we have these words, and they have, we have these actions in our heart that don't line up with who we are in Christ Jesus, and the, our, conscious, our conscious remind us. The more committed we are to him, the louder our conscience will be. So how does the conscience work? First, it judges a man's soul, as I said earlier, in three areas, attitude, conduct, and behavior. Secondly, it's like a spiritual radar, and it's sending out signals that danger is near. In other words, when your conscience is activated, it's important that it's like a radar. You better slow down and pay attention. Slow down and pay attention. Because danger is near. Third, it acts like a, a grid system that sends a stop signal whenever something goes wrong. So, uh, the Bible also, uh, or the Bible mentions several different types of conscience. First of all, you have, it mentions a good conscience, and it's found in 1 Timothy. It says, holding on to faith and good conscience, which some have rejected and, and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to to the faith. So the Bible in that verse of scripture mentions a good conscience and many people or some people reject having a good conscience and when we don't listen to our conscience, it shipwrecks our life. We know that. It shipwrecks our lives, it shipwrecks the people around us, their lives, and it's just like uh, it just keeps going and going and going. And then there is a struggling conscience uh, that the Bible talks about in Corinthians. You can read that. For if someone with a weak conscience sees us as believers, uh, you know, participating in something, then they have a weak conscience and it will uh, cause them to fall. They will, they'll easily yield to temptation. A guilty conscience, what's our verse talked about uh, in, uh, in our uh, key verse today. And when we do that, when we do what we know is wrong, I mean, we make a conscious decision that we're gonna do what we know is wrong our conscience becomes defiled by sin and we cannot judge rightly. When you sin, you know you've sinned. 
It doesn't sneak up on you. And after you sin, they, sin says to you, you know you just sinned? No, you know it, right? And so therefore, when we do something we know is wrong, we have a guilty conscience for it. And so there's those with a guilty conscience. And then the most severe one is a seared conscience. In 1 Timothy 4.2, the Bible says, having our hearts, uh, or such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. This is the worst state uh, uh, possible uh, for us to be in. You see, because the conscience has become so hardened and so closed-minded uh, that it no longer sends out a warning signal. In, in, in other words, it's the result of constant or repeated disobedience to God. God warns us, our conscience tells us that this is wrong, and we basically just, uh, we basically, what we do is we just, uh, we just avoid it. We just don't listen to it, we, and, we, and we disobey God. A, a seared conscience allows people to live a completely immoral lifestyle without feeling like it's wrong. What a terrible place to be. To have a conscience that no longer hears God. To have a conscience that's just shut down and has made and has made uh, right, uh, made wrong right, and made right wrong. I mean, our world—that's where we're at in our world today. I mean, just listen to the news this week. I mean. We have said that what the Bible says is wrong, our society, our culture has made wrong, and if we have a seared conscience in our own lives, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to make wrong right. Oh, it's okay. And we do that over and over and over again until finally we no longer hear from God. Our conscience just shuts down and says, okay, go for it. I mean, according to Romans, and you can just get into Romans and you can read when people refuse to honor God, their thinking becomes foolish. And eventually the Lord will give us over to our lustful thoughts, to our lustful lifestyle. He'll give us over to that. So when you think about that, which conscience best describes yours today? Do you have a clear conscience, clean conscience? Do you have a weak conscience or a guilty one? Or you're saying, buddy, why don't you get on with it? Because you have a seared conscience. You don't want to hear it. Okay, you know what that is? Okay, so it's important to note that a clear conscience is not based on how much or how little you've sinned. Because the Bible says we've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us are in the same stinking, sinking boat. We're done in so it's not about how much we've sinned, but how much we have been forgiven. You see, Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. He's saying, let's have a little contest and we'll see that I am the chief of all sinners. And yet, he can stand before God and before people and ox and he can say, I have a good conscience before God and before man. Why? Not because... Uh, not because uh, the only reason would be because that he had been forgiven by God. He had been forgiven for his sins, and therefore he's able to stand before God with a good conscience. So it's not based on how much or how little of you sin, but how much you've been forgiven. So how do, we, how do we keep a clear conscience? First of all, you must have your conscience clean, cleansed. You cannot have a clear conscience apart from God, uh, with God, apart from God, apart from Christ, 
and, he, and his shed blood on Calvary. You see, you have no peace with God until you, first you are a child of God. There's absolutely no peace with God until we are a child of God because God created us all with this need to have God, with this vacuum that only God can fill. And until God fills that vacuum in our life, we'll always be looking for other things and other people to bring peace in our life. And we can only have peace in a clear conscience and a clean conscience before God if we are a child of God. You see, we can only come to God in the assurance of faith. We have to have faith, the assurance of our faith that, 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 that we have a sincere heart and that our sincere heart has been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's been sprinkled. It's been sprinkled clean. You see, the, the Bible says, uh, David says in Psalms 51, it says, I, Lord, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. What David's saying, man, I've screwed up. I called the neighbor over as she was on bath day, and I called her over, and I had sex with her, and she had a baby, and, and, and I had the husband killed, and now God, wash me, and I will be clean. I will be whiter than snow. His heart was sprinkled and cleansed. You see, having our heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Now, the word sprinkle... Uh, uh, speaks of purging of our hearts from an evil conscience. You see, in the perfect tense in the Greek, which indicates a completed state or condition. In other words, when our hearts have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ, guilt is gone. We may still hold ourselves guilty, but God says, not guilty. You are set free. I have taken your penalty and I have paid the price on Calvary's cross. You are now not guilty. And if you're still dealing with a guilty conscience, you need to remember what Romans says. Uh, Romans says that, um, it just left my brain, but I'll get it back there. Uh, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, when a person comes to Jesus and receives salvation, guilt is removed and our conscience is clear. Secondly, yeah, I hear you back there, man. I'm going to keep moving. Secondly, don't give in to temptation. If you want to keep a clear, clean conscience, don't get back in the mud and the muck. You, you know, don't go back to, to the sin and to the things that caused us uh, uh, to have a guilty conscience. You know, don't go back to the mud. You know, I had a pig when I was growing up. His name was Arnold. True story. I was in FFA, Future Farmers of America. And one of the projects that we had to do as a future farmer of America was that we had to raise an animal. And so my animal of choice was a pig. And I would got a pig and I named him Arnold and, and I had to feed him and take care of him and all that stuff. And what we had to do with that pig is take that pig to the fair. And we had to show him. And so I took old Arnold to the fair, and I got, I got Arnold, I mean, I cleaned that boy up. I used Dawn or Joy or something. I shined that hog until he was pink. I mean, I washed his ears out, shined up his paws. Uh, you know, I washed his ears. I did everything. And then I had to walk the pig. So it was pig walking pig. I had to walk the pig around the fair thing, show ring, whatever. I got all these kind of ribbons. So I took old Arnold home after the show, and you know what the first thing Arnold did? 
got in the mud. He went right back to the mud. Went right back to the nature. And if we are not careful, once we give our life to Jesus Christ and we've been cleaned up from the muck and the mire and our teeth are all brushed up and, the, and, and our hearts are clear, we'll go right back to the mud. We'll go right back to the muck. And we gotta stop doing that. You see, you can't, you can't avoid temptation, but you don't need to go looking for it either. Remember, temptation is not a sin. We only sin when we give in to temptation. As Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So we're all tempted, every one of us. We got a lot in common today. But the Bible says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, the Bible says he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, according to Paul, there's a way out. And when we're tempted, we got to quit just going with what we think is right. we got to quit going with what just feels good, and we got to look for a way out. we got to quit saying, well, I'm weak, and I couldn't help it. I, I, I couldn't help it. I'm, a, I, I'm weak. God says in his word that there's a way out. But we got to take a moment and pause, and we got to look for that way out. Because he says there is a way out. Third, dwell on the word of God. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, you can't let the word of God dwell, into, dwell in you until you first dwell on it. It won't dwell in you until you dwell on it. So fill your conscience with God's word. And we do that by dwelling on God's word. You got to know God's word before you can dwell on his word. The Bible says, for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. You ever been reading the Bible and all of a sudden you go, boom, that hurt. It's like a double-edged sword. It's alive and it's active and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and morrows. It, ju it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So as we dwell on it, 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 it dwell, as we dwell on his word, it dwells in us. And as believers, uh, the Holy Spirit brings it alive. I mean, the Holy Spirit brings it alive and active in our hearts. I mean, it's there that the Holy Spirit brings the word of God to our mind to encourage us, uh, to convict us of our thoughts and our attitudes you know why? Not because God's trying to say how awful we are. God wants us to have, uh, be protected from our thoughts and actions. He wants us to live with a clear conscience. So he gives us the Holy Spirit to bring the word of God active. So as I read the word, as I study the word, as I memorize the word, when I'm in trouble, the word comes to my heart and mind and I can use that word. You know, I can remember that when I am tempted, everybody's tempted, but when I am tempted, God will give me a way out if I'll just look for it. And I'm reminded, oh man, there's a way out of this mess. Because the Holy Spirit is reminding me of the word. And I got a lot of those stored up. Ten, ten different um, translations, but they're all there. You see, memorizing scripture is, a, is the best way when you're tempted. We can dwell on his word as it dwells in us. Next, submit to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says do not get drunk on wine, and I'm not going there today, but the Bible does say that. 
which leads to debauchery, which leads to sin, which leads to a guilty conscience. I think that's why it's all grouped there. You know, don't get drunk because when you get drunk, you do things you're sorry you did. And then when you wake up the next day, you have a guilty conscience and say, oh my gosh, look what I have done to my life. Look what I've done to others in my life. And therefore, he's saying, don't be filled up on wine, but be filled up with the Spirit. Be filled up with the Spirit. As believers, we need to submit to the Spirit. We need to submit to God, not our own self-will, not our, as Paul calls it, not our only, our fleshly desires. So how do I submit to the Spirit? By surrendering to the Spirit. By surrendering to God. By surrendering our lives completely to God and saying to God, God, it's not my will that be done, but your will be done. God, I surrender to you. You are Lord. You are King. You are my all, everything. I offer my body. I offer my body. I offer my life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto you, Lord. That is our reasonable act of service. That's what God wants for us more than he wants anything else from us. He wants us to surrender to him. And then he fills our life with the Spirit. We receive the Spirit when we are saved, but when we surrender to God, he fills us with his Spirit, and he becomes Lord of our life, and he will begin to sanctify us and to purify us and to fill us with his Spirit. And when we are walking in the Spirit, there is no way when we listen to the Spirit that we could ever have a guilty conscience when we follow and submit to the Spirit and we're no longer living by our sinful desire. You see, as we surrender to God, we're no longer led by our feelings, but this makes me feel better. I got to have this. I got to do this. Oh, but when we're led by the Spirit of God and when we are led by the Spirit of God, we can live with a clear conscience. You can be in touch with your feelings, but not led with by them. So instead, walk by the Spirit. And when, as I said earlier, when we do, we allow the Spirit to cleanse our hearts, which is the basis for the clear conscience. Fifthly, always follow your conscience. Always follow your conscience. Now, be careful not to listen to just listen when the conscience uh, conscious pleases our desires. Oh, yeah. Not just then. But listen, even when it kicks your butt. And I got to tell you, your conscience will kick your butt. Is that all right to say? Just like, act like I said it with one T. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> when your conscience, I'm up here kicking my butt for saying that. <laughs> but anyway, you know, when your conscience speaks to you and, and it kind of kicks your uh, behind, don't ask. Don't ask, why can't I do this? Don't question your conscience. Don't question the spirit. You know, when, when you're tempted and you, and, and, and you kind of, well, why can't I do that? Well, that, there's nothing wrong with that. that ain't, that's not going to hurt anybody if I do that. What are you talking about? That's okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Always follow your conscience. Always follow the Spirit. If you listen to, if you start questioning God, then pretty soon you'll go down the wrong track and you're going to wreck your life. And not only will you wreck your life, you'll wreck everybody's life that's connected to you. 
You see, you can't debate once your conscience speaks to you. Whatever it is, just drop it and go with clear conscience. You see, God gives us a conscience to protect us, but when we move forward without obeying its warning, eventually it will no longer be useful, and we once again will have to deal with a guilty conscience, and if we continue to deal with a guilty conscience, pretty soon we'll end up with a seared conscience. And no one wants to be there. That's why we have to keep short accounts with God. You see, whenever we're convicted, whenever God points out in us or we know that we've sinned, we need to confess that sin to God and ask for forgiveness. You see, confession always cures the guilty conscience. Finally, ask God to search your heart daily. You see, to keep a clear conscience, it's important that we ask God every day for a spiritual checkup. We go to God every day for a spiritual checkup. You know, I, uh, I went to the doctor about two years ago, and man, I, you know, I was going every year because they said after you get uh, over 35, and I'm 37, you have to go to the doctor every year and get a physical exam. Well, I did that for a while, and man, the last time I went, everything was good. I mean, I got those blood tests back, and I, was, I stuck my old chest down, and I said, man, you are a bull. <laughs> you are something. <laughs> and I mean, I was feeling good. You know what happened? I didn't go back for two years. You know what? I went back the other day. You know what? I ain't a bull any longer. <laughs> you know, I got some stuff going on. And if I would have just kept that checkup going on and, and, and listened to the doctor and just heard the doctor say, hey, you know, you're getting a little fat. They say it every time. <laughs> I'll be good, gosh. Why don't you just put it in my record so you don't have to say it? He's fat. <laughs> but anyway, now I got these little problems going on, but if I would have been faithful, I would not maybe not be dealing with the problems I'm dealing with today. Now, I'm sure you've heard Gay say many times that she daily makes the same request every day that David requested of God, and that is, search me, God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You see, we all need to make a habit of asking God daily. God, have I said something unkind to someone today? You know, Lord, have I, has my actions hurt someone today? God, am I living according to your word? God, is there any sin in my life that I need to confess to you today, Lord. Lord, have I made decisions today that have not honored you? What do my friends say about me, God? That might be a good question to ask each other in your small group this week. What do y'all say about me when I'm not here? <laughs> we have all, we, sometimes that happens, right? Uh, yeah, a whole lot. I think you better get another group. Anyway, uh, <laughs> As the church, we have a financial review of our financial records every year. You know, at the end of the church year, it's coming up the end of March, and by August, we have to, we will have all of our books reviewed. Not, they're, they're not books anymore, they're QuickBooks, so they're all online. So what we'll do is we'll, after we get everything reconciled, we'll send them off to the accountant, and the accountant will spend a couple months reviewing them, send us a bill for about $6,000, and they'll, you know, they'll review our books. And every uh, once in a while, the accountant will call Howard up and, and, and say to Howard, Howard, there's something here in this, in this financial thing that just, just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. 
And, and so Howard and typical Howard will say, okay, I'll go back to you. And, <laughs> and so he'll figure it all out. And we'll call the accountant back and we'll get it all straightened out. And, and you see, the accountant's job is to hold us accountable to answer for our finances. And every year, we have to answer for our finances. And as believers, I believe it's important that we put our life before God every day and we say, God, review my life today. And Lord, if there's something that's not right in that in my life, hold me accountable for it. Lord, I want to answer for it. And I think that as believers, we all need to make a habit of every day asking God to search me. So Jonathan Edwards once said, ask yourself whether on your deathbed, uh, on your deathbed will you, have a pleasant, will you have pleasant memories of the way you live? You see, if your life ended today, is there anything in your life that you have left unsaid? Is there any words that, uh, that uh, you, could you would take back? You know, is there any hurt that you've caused? You see, words and actions hold the power of life and death when we looked at, looked at them in the light of eternity. And Salem Fields, I implore you, and I, to live more conscious of the condition of our soul than we do about the number of likes we get on Facebook posts. Sometimes I think we're more interested in how many friends we have and how many people like our posts than we are conscious and care about our soul. And I think that there's anything that we need to do that we need to each day be more conscious of our soul and say to the Lord, Lord, is it well with my soul? It's the most important thing that we can do in our lives, whether we're believers or not, I can tell you this. When we get on our deathbed, and I've been at many deathbeds as a pastor, Facebook posts and all the stuff in our bank account and all the cars parked in our garage and all the stuff that we own and all the degrees we have, it's going to come down to this. Is it well with my soul? Pastor, can you help me? I want to know that it's well with my soul because the doctor says I'm not going to live much longer. Is it well with my soul? Is my conscience clear? Is my conscience, conscience clean? If it's not well with your soul, if it's not well with your conscience, then I doubt it is well with your soul. You see, if you're living with a weak or guilty or seared conscience, today is the day to ask Christ to sprinkle your conscience with his shed blood, so you can live with a clean, clear conscience. And if you've never accepted God's love and his forgiveness of your sins, ask Jesus today to forgive you and invite him into your life to be your savior. Because there's nothing, nothing like living with a clear conscience. It's nothing like living with the joy of a clean, clear conscience. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your love and grace. We thank you, Father, for those that are gathered here today. And Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, only your words will be heard today. God, I pray that, Lord, that as you have spoken to our hearts today, our conscience today through the, your Holy Spirit, God, 
I pray there'd be those gathered here today that could say, you know what, buddy, I came today with a guilty conscience, with a weak conscience, or maybe even a seared conscience. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, no one looking around, just for one minute. Would you just say, buddy, would you pray for me today? In your closing prayer, with all of our heads bowed, you're just acknowledging to God. You're submitting to his spirit. If that small, still voice, your heart's fluttering a bit today. Would you just submit to God, and I'll pray for you in closing prayer, and I'm the only one looking around. Anybody like that today would just slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I see your hands back. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, I see your hands. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up. Yeah, right back down, man. Right back down. Anyone else? Father, I pray, Lord, today, for those, Lord, today that have been honest and they've submitted to your spirit, they've heard your voice, Lord, and they've responded. I pray, dear God, today that you would just, Father, forgive them. And Father, wrap your loving arms of love and care around Father, may they have a sense right now of a clean, clear conscience. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And you've asked God to forgive you and he's your savior, but you've never fully surrendered your life to God. I mean, you just know that you're still Lord, you're still calling the shots, and you're still making all the decisions, and sometimes they're not so good, and you don't, you know, you're just not submitted to God fully. And today you'd say, buddy, I want to submit my life fully to God today with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed today. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, I want to submit my life fully to God today. Anybody? Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Yes, man, I see your hand. Yes, in the back, I see your hand. Anyone else? Just put your hand up, put it right back down. I want to be fully surrendered to God today. Anyone else? Yeah, I see your hand. God bless you. Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else? Father, I pray today that God, for those who have slipped up their hand today, Lord, that you would just, God, as they offer themselves holy and pleasing to you, God, today, that you would fill them with your spirit, God, that they could just sense and know today, God, that they just know, Lord, that you're there and that they know, God, that you are Lord. If you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you've never accepted him, never asked him to forgive you of your sins, maybe you're here today and your conscience is kind of seared, but somehow you've heard the message today or, you know, you just know you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins. Will you right now just ask God to forgive you? Will you invite Jesus right now? Just say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. If that's you today and you prayed that prayer with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed would you just slip up your hand and say I prayed that prayer today I asked God yeah I see your hand yes I see your hand anyone else yes I see your hand in the back anyone else slip your hand up put it right back down if you prayed that prayer today I invite you after the service just to Step up front, even if you didn't raise your hand and you accepted Christ today, I'd just like to talk to you a moment. 
or if you say, I don't have time for that, as you leave today, there will be a table out there. Would you just stop and see the pastor there? Father, I pray for those today that have confessed and invited you into their life to be their Savior. God, will your spirit just testify with their spirit that, God, you heard their prayer and you have forgiven them. Thank you for all that's happened today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we all stand? We're going to worship together. You know, if you'd like to come and pray, God's spoken to you, and you'd like to come and pray, it's a great place to pray, a great place to surrender. You don't need to, but I want you just to know you can always come and pray. Let's worship together. So 
softer pillow than a clear conscience. And Father, we know that that's only possible through you. And so, Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. There's a whole lot of peace in this room right now. Father, we know our circumstances have not changed. And when we walk back out into our world, Lord, we know that things may be the same, but we also know that it is well with our soul. And so, Father, we thank you for this time we've had together. We lift you up. We praise you because it's only through you that it's possible. And so, Father, we love you. We give you all the glory for everything that's happened here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a whole lot of peace going on in this room. Have a great week.